Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to this edition of the Sin Bin Podcast. As always, I'm Joe Trentley from Harrisburg, PA. He's Mitch Bannon from Toronto, Ontario. And we hope you all had a Merry Christmas and have an upcoming Happy New Year here. It is the 30th of December. We are two days away from 2021. And finally, getting out of this mess of a year that is 2020. So we actually have some uh, big news here to announce on the podcast here on our second episode. And I'm going to let Mitch take that away for us. How about it, Mitch? Yeah, we're, we're pretty pumped to announce that we're officially part of the Sports Fluent Podcast Network. Uh, if you go to sportsfluent.com, you can check out all of their podcasts. They have like niche sports podcasts on the football, basketball. They also have sports betting podcasts, a couple different ones. Uh, and now we are officially, Joe, on the same airwaves as former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson. Very exciting news uh, to be on the same airways as a former NFL head coach. So with that being said, we're going to get today's episode started here. We have a lot to, to, uh, to discuss, including some of our favorite sports moments from this past year in 2020, and a little look ahead to 2021 on the calendar. But first, we're going to start off with the leadoff as per usual, Mitch, and I'll let you uh, start off with yours first. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know, the leadoff is just like a quick minute for us to discuss something we're, we're passionate about this week in sports. And my leadoff is the Canadian World Junior team. For those of you who don't know, uh, the World Juniors is a thing uh, Canadians or hockey fans care about a lot more than everybody else. Uh, and so the World Juniors is happening right now. It starts on Boxing Day and the tournament goes through the new year. And Canada is the only 3-0 team as we currently speak. Uh, the USA has a loss. That's quite unfortunate for them. Uh, all the other teams, I think Finland is 2-0 as we speak. Uh, but all the other teams have a loss. And Canada is looking like the odds-on favorite with Kirby Dock, Chicago Blackhawks prospect. Maybe not even a prospect this year. If he didn't get hurt, uh, he absolutely destroyed his wrist in the preliminary game. I don't know if you saw a photo, but his wrist was it looked pretty mangled and he they've announced he's going to be out for four or five months but Quinton Byfeld, the number two overall pick and Dylan Cousins a Sabres prospect have been carrying Canada and they look like a, a bit of a wagon right now typical a wagon and Canadian hockey leading the way not a shocker there I am going to spend my leadoff minute discussing how I was completely wrong uh ending last episode talking about the Washington Wizards going 1-0. Well, they are currently 0-4 and not off to a great start this season. Russell Westbrook has played three out of those four games, sat out one for rest, and he has three triple-doubles in those three games that he has played. But the Wizards have lost all four games and currently sit at 0-4 to start the season. Not an ideal start. I guess the Russ curse uh, is a true thing. Um I don't know how – my whole thing is people say, you know, he's a curse to a team, he's a terrible teammate. But when he goes out and averages a triple-double, you know, Mitch, a triple-double means at least 10 assists. So I, I don't know and, – and, you know, 10 – I'm assuming it's more like 10 rebounds rather than 10 blocks or steals. But I don't see how 10 rebounds and 10 assists is being such a terrible teammate. I, I mean, depending on how many points you're putting up, if you're now, if it's something like 40, 10, and 10, okay, but still a triple double is a hard thing to come by. And 10 assists and 10 rebounds, I, I don't know what the issues are. Scott Brooks has to fix that team fast because they should not be 0 4 with that roster. That's all I'm saying. So, getting into the start of the show today, the first topic we have coming up for you here is heading into the to uh, week 17, last week of the NFL regular season here. Playoff pictures on both sides, on both conferences. A lot of spots on the line. As of right now, the playoff picture looks like this. In the AFC, the top three seeds are the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, and Pittsburgh Steelers. The Titans currently hold the four seed. Dolphins have the five. Ravens and Browns have the six and seven. And the Colts, Mitch, are on the outside looking in. And on the other side of the bracket, we have the Packers at one, Saints at two, Seahawks at three for the top three in the NFC. The Buccaneers currently hold the four spot. Washington, um, Los Angeles, and Chicago all in there as well with Arizona, Dallas, and the Giants on the outside looking in. 
There's a lot there on the ball. There's a lot of controversy going on in the NFC. But first, we'll go back and start with the AFC. Not really surprised here with the top seed, Mitch, the Kansas City Chiefs. But after that, Buffalo comes in at two. Pittsburgh slides in at three. Pittsburgh, remember, started 11-0 and choked along the way. They're losing three straight. They fall to the three. And then it gets interesting after that as well because you have Tennessee at four. And Indianapolis, who's 10-5 and five, on the outside looking in, possibly, Mitch, not even making the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think the most – the craziest part of you think 10 wins. I think at the beginning of every season, especially the beginning of a season with seven playoff teams, most fans of teams who aren't either the worst team in the league or the best team in the league say to themselves, double digit wins, we'll get in the playoffs, whatever happens after that happens. I feel like that's what I felt with the Ravens this year. Uh, I'm sure after the start for the Steelers, that was your expectation. But at the beginning of the year, I'm sure you kind of felt the same thing. Just get double digit wins. The Colts could win 11 games in an expanded playoffs and not make the playoffs. If I'm a Philip Rivers fan, if I'm a Colts fan, I would be pissed. It would just be, I don't even know, I couldn't put myself in those shoes. Like if the Ravens win, a couple other things, or the Ravens lose and a couple other things happen this weekend, the Ravens could not make it with 10 games. I'm like, yeah, that's upsetting. But to not make it with 11 games is just pretty devastating. It all came down. The Colts just lost to Pittsburgh this last week. And speaking of Pittsburgh, they and Buffalo are fighting for the number two spot. Now, Buffalo plays Miami this week. Pittsburgh plays at Cleveland. Uh, Both tough teams to play, both in the playoffs right now as we speak. Pittsburgh already announcing that they will be resting. Starters Mason Rudolph will be starting at quarterback. The revenge game in Cleveland from last season. Uh, And Buffalo plays Miami, I believe, at home. Uh, Haven't heard any word on whether they're going to sit Josh Allen or not. And, and really looking at this year, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I just don't think I, – I don't think anything but the one seed matters as far as seeding goes because there are virtually no fans in pretty much every single stadium around the NFL unless you're in Dallas so or Kansas City. So looking at it that way, uh, although Governor Cuomo did announce that he might let fans in Orchard Park uh, come playoff time for the Bills, uh, but looking at it that way – Even if you allow fans, it's not the same feeling, not the same atmosphere as playoff football. So unless you really get that one seed and get that first round bye, which is very important, especially with the messed up bye weeks and the messed up shuffling of the schedules this year. So looking ahead to that, you know, would you, you, would you rest your starters, Mitch, or would you play for that two seed thinking, okay, well that because you have travel to factor into it as well. Yeah, I think that's a a good question. I've kind of forgotten about kind of the fan factor. And every so often, I just think in 2020, we've become so used to it that you kind of forget there was a time when like home court advantage really mattered. Um, And I I think, you, yeah, what you mentioned at the end there, travel is the only thing that really matters for home court right now. Uh, I don't think home court in a normal year truly matters in every single sport. You look at the win percentages, they're anywhere from like 52 to 55% of the time the home team wins across the sports. Basketball and football, it matters the most. It's closest to 55%. And that's just because the crowd it, it affects the game so much more. They're right on top of you in football, communication and play calling and being able to talk to your teammates is so important that having that crowd noise and the crowd knowing when to shut up and when to yell is so important. But then this year, that's just completely irrelevant. So I think uh, it is more important to, even though Big Ben has been great, well, Josh Allen has been great. So you rest Josh Allen, you rest Big Ben. It's more important to go into the playoffs healthy and rested than it is to be playing for the potential uh, Steelers, Pittsburgh home advantage two rounds down the line. And looking at the the bottom few teams in the AFC looking to get in here, you have – Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Indianapolis. Now, minus Baltimore, obviously. Who would you like to see in there in those last – assuming Baltimore makes it, who would you like to see in those last two spots? I'm pretty sure there is a scenario where the Ravens and Colts can both make it. I'm not 100% sure on that, but if that's possible, I would love to see the Colts get in the playoffs. Uh, Also – this isn't really what you asked, but I would love this to see the Browns not make the playoffs. As long as a tragedy it's been, it would just be kind of hilarious and very 2020 if the Browns, the Browns finally win double-digit games. They finally look like they're, they're great. They had, I think, two straight three- or four-game win streaks this season. 
and they might not make the playoffs. So that would be pretty hilarious. But I do like the Colts this year. I think they're kind of a scrappy uh, built team with Phillip Rivers. Get Phil back in the playoffs. He's just fun for everybody. Colts, very, very good defense as well, DeForest, led by DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. Um, and wouldn't that be something, too, if Mason Rudolph went up to Cleveland to the dog pound and ended the Browns' postseason hopes? Uh, now, switching over to the NFC here, I, I had a little mishap. I, I, that, that's my mistake. Right now, Washington would be the four seed because they're the division leader instead of Tampa Bay. I, I flip-flop those. Easy to uh, confuse with how little wins they have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Washington currently holds the four. But we'll get right into that. We'll get right into the NFC East, or some call it the NFC least, right now with still three out of those four teams, Mitch, with a fighting chance to get into the playoffs right now. Washington currently leads – that division, they play Philadelphia this week. Philadelphia, the only team in that division that is currently eliminated from playoff contention. Meanwhile, Dallas and the Giants still have a shot uh, to get in. Now, Dallas plays New York this week. So Dallas wins, Washington loses, Cowboys are in. New York wins, Washington loses, Wa uh, New York's in. Washington wins, they're in. That's all they have to do. So looking at these, these, you know, this final picture here for the NFC East, who do you see sliding in? Because Alex Smith does not look like he's going to start a quarterback here for Washington, though, or for the Washington football team this upcoming. Dwayne Haskins isn't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, and we know, <clears throat> as you said, Dwayne Haskins is not starting the football team releasing him yesterday. So interesting scenario here to see what's going to happen with the football team, Mitch. Yeah, I honestly, if you asked me, gave me $100, told me to bet it on one of these teams to make the playoffs, I would just be pocketing that money and walking away. <laughs> I have absolutely zero clue. Uh, all, there is not going to be an NFC East team that makes the playoffs and wins more than seven games. There's a very real shot. We have a six-win playoff team if the Giants win and the football team loses. Uh, so it's, if I was to guess, I would say – Dallas but a very unconfident Dallas as you could tell from my voice like I if Alex Smith was starting if Washington football team didn't have the chaos of this week around them I think I would pick Washington but I feel like Philly's been playing a bit better football yeah they get blown out but they can Jalen Hurts can at least put up points now and that's more than any of these teams have been able to say all season to be uh, to give Dallas some credit here they have played well and when Andy Dalton came back from that injury uh, so Dallas playing a lot better at football, but still compared to the other competition level of football that the other divisions are playing at, uh, a whole different ball game. Now, we look at the decision. I, I agree with you also. I, I think Dallas will come out on top, especially if Alex Smith doesn't start for Washington. Washington has a very solid front four that, that can rush the passer and get to the quarterback. Uh, they actually have a very solid overall defense, but I just don't think their offense – We'll get it done, uh, especially like you said, Jalen Hurts can put up points for the Eagles. Uh, didn't really show too much of it last week in Dallas. Uh, still had over 300 yards passing, though. So I think Philly could win that game, and I think Dallas could take care. Although the Giants are sneaky. Giants have a good defense. Any of those teams can make it, any of them, easily. <laughs> if I was a betting man, I'd probably put money on the Cowboys. But we'll have to wait and see what happens with the NFC East to get that number four seed. And it's crazy again, Mitch, to think, you know, it just brings up, like we talked about with the college football playoff and expansion, it just brings up, you know, will the format ever change? Because it just seems year in and year out that whoever gets out of the NFC East, it doesn't, it, you know, you look at the rest of the playoff picture for both the AFC and the NFC, it doesn't matter. All those teams almost always have over a 500 record. And you look at the NFC East time and time again, it, it's just getting to the point where, all right, well, what seven and nine teams going to make the playoffs and, and get a home playoff game? That's another thing, too. The winner of that division gets a home playoff game. The Eagles, I, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl after – what was that? What, was that a seven and nine record? Or I think they won nine games. I think they won nine games. Was it Okay, nine and seven record. But still, the, the whole – theme of their team was the underdog mentality and they were always underdogs no matter what but the bottom line is they got a home playoff game yeah. and it, it's 
it's just crazy to see, or crazy to see and crazy. I kind of love it. I kind of love it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think there's only so much putting the best teams in the playoffs you can do. Like we could go to an NHL one through eight format, but I kind of love having just like a team that shouldn't be there. Uh, obviously it sucks that they're taking the place of a team who's probably more deserving, but I think it's kind of fun. Like if you can't make the playoffs, if you were the eighth best team in the playoffs and a seven and nine team took your spot, okay, just be the seventh best team then. Like you look at, you look like a, at a team like the Arizona Cardinals, who if they win would finish nine and seven on the season and they'd be left out of the playoffs uh, for the NFC East team, you know, depending on, you know, how you would realign it. But anyway, to the top three seeds, you have Green Bay at one, followed by New Orleans at two and Seattle at three. Now, right now, all of those teams are currently in a three-way tie for the number one overall seed. Now, here's the scenario, though. If they all win out, Green Bay gets the number one seed. So very, inter- very interesting to see. The Buccaneers already locked in a playoff spot. But barring what the Saints do, uh, the Saints already won the NFC South. So they're, it's, it's basically just seeding now one through three to see who gets that. Now, Mitch – very tough for teams to do if the Packers would get the number one overall seed playing at Lambeau field in January is a completely playing at Lambeau field in general against Aaron Rodgers and company is very difficult to do, but playing at Lambeau field in January, you saw what just happened on Sunday night football to the Tennessee Titans when they went in there, when they went in there and got absolutely clobbered by Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams uh, in, in the snow bowl, apparently basically. Uh, so who do you think out of those three teams, the Packers, Saints, and Seahawks, A, is deserving of the number one seed, and B, who would be the toughest route to go through in the NFC? Okay, I'll start with the deserving, and I think the Packers and Saints are probably the two teams, if they get the one seed, I'd be like, yeah, fair. Okay, the Saints have overcome a lot of adversity. They played with, like, a thousand different people at quarterback this year. They played with tight ends at quarterback or you can call Taysom Hill a quarterback if you want. But they've played uh, played through some adversity this year, and they're still just a great team. they got a really good defense. They have so many offensive weapons. I don't think anyone could complain about the Saints being the one seed. And I think the Packers, too. Aaron Rodgers, probably my MVP if the season ended today. Um, there's still one more week left, but I still think he probably will win MVP. Uh, and I think they would be deserving. And I think, as you kind of alluded to there, I think they would be the hardest team to go through. And I think if they get the one seed, they would immediately become uh, the Kansas City Chiefs' biggest contender for the Super Bowl. Obviously because they have the bye, but also because I think this Packers team is more built than any previous iteration of this team to compete in the playoffs and to compete in this weather at Lambeau. If Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon had a huge game last week. So if they have a one-two run attack, and then you just, whenever you don't run the ball, you just pass it to Devontae Adams and it's a 35-yard catch. I really don't see how anyone's beating that team. Don't forget Jamal uh, Williams in the mix as well, uh, if if not hurt. I also agree with you. I think Green Bay and New Orleans are clearly the two deserving teams. As you said, New Orleans coming over a lot of adversity. Michael Thomas virtually playing, it seems like, no games this season. Their top wide out. Drew Brees went down a few weeks ago with a rib injury, and Taysom Hill had to come in and took over, and he won two or three straight games for the Saints until they lost in Philadelphia. But you look at that team, even with Taysom Hill at the helm, they were still putting up points. And, and you look at the weapons around them. Now, of course, Taysom Hill is not the the passer that Drew Brees is. But to be fair, Drew Brees isn't the passer that Drew Brees used to be. Uh, especially with this rib injury, he's being more cautious now and letting the football fly. And without their top wideout, I mean, they still have a bunch of weapons. You have Alvin Kamara in the backfield, Latavius Murray in the backfield. They like to use the tight end Jared Cook a lot. You still have Trey Quan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders on the outside. So it's not like this team can't can't come up with any offense. But right now, I just think the Green Bay Packers are the clear-cut number one. Se- oh, and I forgot to mention the Saints defense is also ridiculous. But I think the Green Bay Packers are the clear-cut number one seed in the NFC. They proved it all year long. I think the the game that gave people a lot of doubt and still to this day give a lot of people doubt about the Pack or with the Packers is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game weeks and weeks ago when they absolutely got clobbered by Tom Brady and company in Tampa Bay. But you know Aaron Rodgers, one little setback, and then he's, he's ready to go. And I, like I said, Lambeau Field in January, 
a very, very tough place to play. You look at these past few seasons and the Packers, they were always a great team, always over 500 by a wide margin, usually winning the NFC North, but they've never, they never really got that one seed. They've always had to travel. Even if they make the NFC championship game, they've always had to travel. You know, last year was a prime example, excuse me, where they had to go to San Francisco for the uh, NFC championship game and lost to the 49ers. So I just think Lambeau Field is one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. Uh, and I know I've, I've repeated it over and over, but especially in January when it will be below freezing temperatures uh, at the, in the frozen tundra, I, I, I don't see – if the Packers get the number one seed, I don't see anybody coming – I don't see anybody else coming out of the NFC. I think you hit on it. I think they're the, they're the strongest contender to the Kansas City Chiefs for the Super Bowl, along with, I think, the Buffalo Bills. But I coming out of the NFC side, I think Green Bay is the clear-cut number one. Uh, and, and I think we're very much en route to see a Kansas City Chiefs-Green Bay Packers Super Bowl, which I don't think anybody would mind because the two front runners for the MVP, Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes, going up against one another, a lot of offensive firepower on both sides. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. It's fun. We'll We'll see how it plays out. Week 17 coming up. Keep your eye on all the NFL news and updates uh, to see if your team gets in or sitting out and sitting at home on the couch watching the NFL playoffs. Now, transitioning into a little bit of a college segment here, we're going to talk about the Heisman for a little bit because the front runners were announced, uh, or the finalists, I should say, were announced. Uh, Devontae Smith of Alabama, the wide receiver, leading the way, or leading the way. Uh, followed by Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Trevor Lawrence, and Najee Harris. Uh, so looking at these, Mitch, very interesting because you look at a year in college football where, you know, teams didn't play a regular schedule. They didn't play as many games as they would, as they would normally do. Uh, they, they mainly played all conference games. There were hardly any out of conference games in college football this year and there were less games played. Uh, again, you look at a team like Ohio State has only played six games. Uh, but at, of those finalists, you know, a lot of people thought at the beginning of the year, oh, it's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, clear cut one and two. You know, they, there's nobody else even close uh, that, are, that are even going to, you know, come close or compare to them. It's just going to be a, a Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields race for the Heisman to see who can get it. Well, that was a big setback considering Trevor Lawrence had covid and sat out the Notre Dame game. Um, and then Justin Fields in Ohio State only played six games, so that kind of bumped him out of the conversation already. But Devontae Smith leading the way for Alabama. Alabama has three players in the top five for the finalists of the Heisman Trophy in Najee Harris, Mac Jones, and Devontae Smith. Now, Devontae Smith, wide receiver. A wide receiver has not won the Heisman Trophy since 1991, and that was Desmond Howard. Long, 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 long time ago. So almost 30 years. Literally coming up on 30 years since a wide receiver won the Heisman. Um, but looking at this, Mitch, uh, I, who, who do you think – who would be your favorite? Uh, it's traditionally a quarterback award. And right now I guess you could say the top quarterback that would deserve it would be Mac Jones. Uh, as he is in the rankings as of right now, he's ahead of Lawrence and Trask. Uh, but there's so much skepticism and controversy over the Heisman because, A, it's usually a quarterback award, and, B, there's so many different factors to look into it besides statistics. You know, you look at – it's almost like the college football playoff. You look at the body of work. You look at the strength of schedule. You looked at the record. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, well, you know, because Kyle Trask is in there. Oh, well, he had three losses. Yes, and I understand that, but if he's putting up the statistics, I mean, there's a lot of arguments, but who's, who's your front runner right now? Yeah, I know Smith is the betting favorite, but I think if I was to choose someone I think was going to win today, it would probably be Jones, and I think it's for kind of the reasons you just said. Uh, I, I think the people who award the Heisman are just going to – they don't like to ruffle any feathers. Yeah, sometimes they choose an unexpected winner, but it's usually the safe bet. It's usually the guy who they think would probably get the most support for winning. And I think, uh, I think Jones, Smith isn't doing this without Jones. And I, I think kind of the one 
uh, thing that negates Jones's case is the fact that there's two other Heisman ballot top fives on his team and his two primary weapons. So um, I think that kind of takes away from his case, but I don't necessarily think he should win. And I think Smith uh, probably, and even Lawrence, even though because of his crazy season, I think probably would be the most deserving if I was to be choosing, but I think Jones will win. Dabo Sweeney, very, very active and outspoken about Trevor Lawrence deserving the Heisman. Uh, if you saw his post-game speech at the ACC championship game, basically stating, how can you not pick this guy? You know, uh, but I, another interesting uh, thought I want to bring up to you. So I mentioned a wide receiver has not won it since 1991 and it was Desmond Howard. A lot of, I've talked to some people about this and, and they said, why not? Why, or, or why not a wide receiver this year? If there's going to be a year that another position besides a quarterback or a running back wins the Heisman, why not 2020 with all the things that have happened? And, you know, we didn't even think we were going to have a college football season, and then we ended up having one. But of all the things that have happened, why, why not throw a wide receiver in there? It would be the most 2020 thing that you could find, you know, not a quarterback or a running back winning the Heisman. So that's another point that was brought up. and and a point where people think that favors Smith because, you know, the voters will look and say, okay, well, if there's going to be a year that we vote a wide receiver, he's the clear cut odds favorite as of right now. Why not just do it this year? Yeah. I think there's a very real chance he does win. And I think kind of 2020 being a weird year could give voters a justification to just have kind of a weird vote and not really care about uh, the precedent set in previous votes. But I, I think I'd love to see Smith's season kind of stacked up against some of the top wide receivers' seasons of the past couple of years. Because I, I haven't looked at the numbers side by side, but he, and he's been amazing. But I feel like he just hasn't been that much better than some of the wide receiver, wide receiver seasons we've had. And I feel like some of those other wide receivers, even if Smith's been a touch better, have done it with quarterbacks who aren't a top three Heisman finalist. And so I think kind of Jones, Smith, Harris, all kind of take away from each other. I don't think anyone's going to be voting, uh, going to be voting for one of those guys and leave the other two off their ballots. I think someone's just going to like all the Alabama guys and might just have them in different orders. And that could, could really hurt all of their chances. I agree with you. I think, I think Mac Jones, if I, if I was a betting man, I would think Mac Jones will come out and win this Heisman, but you never know. We'll see. Uh, tune in to see who wins the Heisman. But now we are going to move on to a little bit of a, a more fun segment here. Uh, Mitch and I, as 2020 comes to an end, we are going to rewind the sports year and give you our favorite sports moments of 2020 and our favorite athletes of 2020. So, Mitch, I'll let you start it off here. First, I want you to hit on your favorite sports moment of 2020. My favorite sports moment is like a very specific moment. It's not a month or week or day or event. It is the photo of Joe Burrow after winning the national championship, sitting in that lounge chair with the cigar in his hand, looking just like an absolute badass. That was the moment where I knew, okay, Joe Burrow, national champion, Heisman, first overall pick. You just knew. You saw that photo and it was a lock. You just knew exactly what was about to happen and you knew he was going to be like that's when I had my doubts about wow this guy who's like a six round pick is now going to be the first overall pick at quarterback you saw that photo you saw what he did all that season you're like okay yeah Joe Burrow's the guy and that was just a bright spot in a in a 2020 that was kind of crazy and it was, we we're going way back for that one we we're going all the way back to basically last year but uh <laughs> I think that was my Joe Burrow's kind of rise Joe Burrow's uh season that LSU LSU team I think was so much fun and I think kind of that moment in that photo encapsulated it greatest single season by a college quarterback in NCAA history um and I also a cool moment too uh when he when he uh ran out for senior day uh in Death Valley and he had the burrow on the back of his jersey AUX instead of B-U-R-R-O-W uh, that was a cool moment. My cool moment here, I'm going to transition right into my athlete of 2020 as well. I think my favorite sports moment of the entire year, also going all the way back to fe what feels like, you know, uh, 2020, 2019, uh, was in January and February 
um, when every single NBA team at the start of their game, uh, their first possession just held the ball and dribbled out the 24-second shot clock to honor Kobe Bryant. Um, I, I thought that was just – and Kobe Bryant would be my athlete of this year of 2020. Obviously, he passed away tragically uh, in January. You and I were both up at school just coming back from break. Uh, and we, I couldn't, I remember, I couldn't believe the news uh, when it happened. I first saw the first tweet and I, I was like, what, like, this can't be real. And I think the whole world felt that shock. Um, and I remember talking to our friends and stuff. We, we were like, this can't be true. This can't be real. Um, but it was confirmed in the helicopter accident. So I, I think that would have been, that was my favorite sports moment. Seeing every single NBA team around the league honor Kobe Bryant, uh, the great one, and dribble out the 24-second shot clock uh, to start the game. Both teams would. Uh, I think that was a very, very, very cool sight to see. Uh, and the way that, you know, the world just put everything away for a second and, and came together as sports fans, uh, honoring one of the greatest athletes to ever walk this earth. Um, so I, I'd, I'd put that up there as my favorite sports moment and favorite athlete. But I also want to touch on it. Uh, a little bit of a, a lesser and like minor thing on a minor scale. I also would throw in the mix. Now, not the team. This is not for the team, but the Dodgers winning the World Series strictly because I love to see Clayton Kershaw finally get a World Series ring. After all of these years, he's been the most consistent and the best pitcher in baseball over the last decade. And I, I think it, it couldn't come to a more deserving guy. You know, people argue, okay, well, he just crunches when he gets to the postseason, which if you look at the numbers, okay, one could argue. But regardless, he is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He's a Hall of Famer, and he finally got a ring and deserved a ring. And it, it was just wonderful to see because you look at that guy, and he is a, he's a class act. He's, he's the face of baseball as far as, as, far as pitching goes, I think, uh, and has been over the last decade. So it was finally nice to see Clayton Kershaw get a ring. Um, and those, those would be the two sports moments, I would say. L.A. putting the sports world on the map this year. Can't argue that with the Lakers and the Dodgers. Um, so uh, that would be, those would be my favorite moments and my favorite athlete. Now I'll let you touch on your favorite athlete of 2020. Yeah, I, uh, that was, those are both really good ones. I think kind of funny. I'm working on, I'm like a thousand or so words in to a big look at an inning that kind of redefined Kershaw's legacy this postseason. I rewatched, uh, I had to get an MLB TV demo, rewatch this one inning of one game. You'll see this is kind of teasing a story that's probably going to come out in the next week or two that kind of Kershaw changed everything. And I kind of jumped back and forth between his greater playoff history and that. And I'm really excited for that one to come out. So it was kind of an interesting um, – we're on the same page on that for sure. I was really happy to see Kershaw win that. And also Kobe was – it feels like forever ago because this yeah. year happened. But then I saw – you see today, it was a year ago today. There's kind of the photos of him and his daughter courtside uh, and him chirping at Luca, And that was a year ago. And now he's – it's interesting how much we've had an opportunity to kind of think about Kobe's legacy. And you don't usually have that opportunity until a guy is long retired. Um, yeah, go for it if you got some. Oh, no, no, I, did, I, I didn't know if you – I'll let you still touch on what yeah, you Yeah, so my – yeah, those – so I completely agree with both of those, but neither of them were the team or player I was going to choose as my favorite of 2020. Uh, I was going to say maybe a favorite team could be the Toronto Blue Jays getting back to the playoffs, bunch of fun young guys. But I'm going to go with Alfonso Davies. I think he's a guy that – Maybe a lot of sports fans might not know, especially North American sports fans, but this guy is going to be, if not already is, the best North American soccer player that we've seen in decades. Uh, he's a Canadian left back. He plays for Bayern Munich. He won the Champions League this year. He led Canada to their first defeat of U.S. in a friendly in forever. I don't maybe ever. I'm not 100% sure on that one. And he's already one of the three best left, back, left backs in the world, if not the best. And he's just a kid. And he's so fast and he's so much fun. Even if you don't love soccer, watch, watch Alfonso Davies play. And he is, he makes playing defense in soccer so much fun. Yeah. I remember the, uh, the day that they won that friendly, uh, you, you texted me and said, Oh, Oh, look, look what happened. You know, it feels like the first Great time in Canadian sports history. 
And it could be an argument here. Uh, you said, you know, North American as far as like, you know, I mean, I'd argue Christian Pulisic, but the, you know. I think it's Davies and I don't think it's close. If I'm being oh, honest. oh, okay. <laughs> uh, don't, don't go with the, the Hershey boy wonder like that. Uh, <laughs> but now what I was going to touch on was, you know, you mentioned about Kobe and, and I, I don't think, I can't remember in an hour lifetime uh that you see you know the passing of an athlete affect the sports world and landscape this much as it did with Kobe Bryant um I I just I haven't seen anything like it you know we're only we're only 23 uh, but looking back at it I can't remember the passing of an athlete affecting the sports sports world this much. I mean, it was, it was just unbelievable seeing all of the every sport, not just every every sport, sport, every sport around the world, not just in the United States or North America. It was all around the world over in China, over in Europe, you know, all over the place. People were honoring Kobe Bryant across all sports. Um, And I just thought it was, it was the coolest thing to see, uh, to see all of this, I remember the day it happened or the day after it happened, Sports Center was just on repeat of Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, and showing outside the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Uh, all of the Laker fans come out in support of Kobe. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of Laker fans outside the Staples Center. Even, even if you weren't a Lakers fan, people just came down and said, oh, it was Kobe Bryant. You know, what he meant to that city – and what he meant to the NBA and what he meant to the sports world and landscape. It was just unbelievable. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and, and that's why I had to touch on it. Um, he was one of my favorite basketball players ever. Uh, he's from the great state of Pennsylvania. So, I mean, you, you have to, you have to throw that into context, but uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, Mamba. But now we're going to look ahead we, we went back and rewinded 2020, but now we're going to look ahead to 2021, the upcoming year. Uh, and Mitch and I are going to look ahead to basically the same thing. We're going to look ahead to our, instead of moment, we're going to look at team and what team we think or which team we are looking most forward to and athlete that we are looking most forward to for the upcoming sports season or sports calendar in 2021. So Mitch, I'll let you start here looking ahead to your most anticipated team. Yeah, it doesn't take a crystal ball, especially we're recording this at the end of 2020 after the biggest and what seems like the only day of news in the Major League Baseball offseason. And if you're a baseball fan, I don't care. Probably every single baseball fan, except for Los Angeles Dodgers fans, are fired up to see what the San Diego Padres do next year. I think Fernando Tatis Jr., before all of their additions, was arguably not unarguably the most fun player in baseball and getting close to the best player in baseball. I don't think anyone's going to touch Trout, but I think Tatis might have that number two crown alongside Betts right now. And then they go out and they add you Darvish. They add Blake Snell. They sign Hassan Kim. Uh, I think they're going to be so much fun. They just, when all of baseball teams are complaining about how poor they are and about how they're uh, going to have to cut salaries, the Padres are just like, screw it, we're just going to sign all the players. We're going to trade for all the players. And I think that's super fun for fans. And I think fans should know support the Padres. If you want your teams to trade for good players, if you want your team to sign players, you got to support teams that do that. And so I think it's going to be healthy for the market for everyone to be excited for the Padres, watch Padres games, get Padres games on national television. Uh, I think Blake Snell is one of the most underrated pitchers in the league. And I think one through five, the Padres might have much must-watch starters in the rotation. And they're, for baseball fans, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, you know, I I don't often, you know, I try not to agree with you here on, on the podcast. <laughs> but it's tough for me to think of another team. Like, you you look at it and you touched on it. And we were talking before the show. And, and I was thinking, oh, man, like, I don't want to take the same team as you. But looking with the signing of Blake, uh, Blake Snell now, the Padres are serious contenders with the Dodgers for the NL West. And, and not only NL West, you know, it's crazy to think that they're in the same division too. So not only One NL West. teams has to play in a wild card game. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, it's just 
it'll be interesting to see. It would be nice to see, you know, I mentioned the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw getting a ring, but it would be nice to see the Padres of all teams, the Padres, the Padres that you and I have grown up with, you know, watching. It's like, oh, well, the Padres are in dead last in the NL West. What, what else is new? Like, you know, okay. But the, the Padres now, I, I think Tatis is one of the most explosive young players that we've seen in a long time. And, and one of the most exciting to watch. Uh, I remember Sports Center was having, you know, segments where they were like, how many grand slams are the Padres going to hit this game? Like how, how many grand slams are the, this team is unbelievable. Manny Machado, you know, found his swag again. First for the first time he's, um, since he was in Baltimore, you know, he had a rough start with the Padres, but he finally picked it up this year. They had Blake Snell, you know, this team is just, it's fun. It's young, it's energetic. And it, and it gives hope for the rest of the NL and, you know, the NL West to say, okay, somebody's going to finally stand up and challenge the Dodgers Mm -hmm. because the Dodgers are always the clear cut number one team. But I mean, if I had to go, with something different. I was, I was thinking off the top of my head here, if I had to go with something different to just uh, not pick the same team as you, I'm going to go with the New York Islanders. I, I think, I think, you know, they made the Eastern conference final this year in a season where nobody thought, Oh, the Islanders, like what star player do they have? You know, that Anders Lee, Matt Barzal, like what? John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like who, People are like, oh, well, yeah, the Islanders may make the playoffs, but they're not going anywhere. And then they just sweep through the Eastern Conference and, and go face the Lightning in the Eastern Conference final. Um, I, I think it's exciting because you look at that team and they they are the face of a team where it's like, okay, they play their hearts out every game. They are underdogs in virtually any series that they go up against. They have a great coach in Barry Trotz who you can tell that team rallies around him and plays for him. Um, and I think that's just something, you know, they don't have a Connor McDavid. They don't have a, a Sidney Crosby. They don't have a Nathan McKinnon. They don't have that star player to go to. They are, it's just a group of, of, of young players, you know, good players, but not star talent. Like, okay. Yeah. That guy is amazing where they just have a bunch of young, good players and they rally around their coach and it shows they shut teams down defensively. And it just shows that they are a well-rounded hockey team. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where they fall or like where they end up here in 2021 with this upcoming NHL season, because if you look, you know, we touched on it a little episode at the realignment of the divisions. I think it's, it's not even a question. I think the East division is the toughest division. Uh, when you look at the draw that they had with the Islanders, Rangers, Bruins, Penguins, Flyers, Capitals, just off the top of my head, and then the Sabres and Red, or yeah, Sabres and um, Sabres uh, got Taylor Hall too. It wasn't the Red Wings. I'm sorry. Oh, and the Devils. Hmm. So you know those two teams, but the rest of the the pack that I just named, it's it's insane. It's basically the Metropolitan Division adding Boston to the mix which was the number one overall team in the regular season last year. So I think that'll be interesting to see where the Islanders – can they do it again? Can they get to the Eastern Conference Final in the gauntlet um, that is the NHL this year in the playoffs uh, with that division? But those are my two – I guess I gave two teams of 2021. Uh, I'll lead off here with the athlete I'm looking most forward to next season and – I, it's not really a surprise, but it is Trevor Lawrence. I'm looking forward to see what he does, uh, especially going to Jacksonville. Uh, they locked up the number one overall pick, assuming the Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. Uh, crazier things have happened, but assuming they take him with the number one overall pick, you know, he's from Cartersville, Georgia, so he's only one state away from home. He went to Clemson which is only two states away. Uh, and Jacksonville's virtually in Georgia. I mean, it's right over the, it's right over the border. Um, and, you know, looking at that team, that's not good. They are not good. They have, they have a good running back, James Robinson. You know, Chark's not a bad receiver, but 
looking at that team, Trevor Lawrence going in there, I think he'll I think he'll enjoy it rather than going to New York and playing for the Jets. But you know, I, I think that's a that'll be an interesting scenario to see what he can do with the Jaguars. Um, I like I said, I think he'll enjoy it a little bit more. It's in Florida. He'll have warm weather year round playing home games. He's close to home, close to college. Um, the uniforms are great. So I think he's, he's what I'm looking forward to. Not necessarily what the Jaguars can do because ultimately Trevor Lawrence isn't going to, you know, save the Jaguars himself because they need a lot of help in other areas. But I just want to see how he does because he's the most prized, you know, draft pick that I've ever seen. I, I don't know if you want to argue that or if you think of somebody else, but Andrew I have never Locke seen. Maybe the only one I've that can be comparable to this. Would you say Andrew Luck is probably the only one that'd be comparable to this? Yeah, uh, I've I've never seen a hype over this uh, over a guy so much in college football, and we saw it as a freshman. As a freshman, this kid came on and won the national championship, and, and he's he's just a towering six foot. Six, he's everything you want in a quarterback. He's a, he's a mobile six foot six quarterback with a cannon as an arm and can make the ball go wherever he wants it to go. And you can even run Clemson even runs a little bit of a read option with him, you know, with him and Travis Etienne. So I, I, I think he is the most prized, you know, draft pick that I've ever seen coming out of college. And it's finally the year where he can go to the NFL draft and get drafted and play at the next level. So I'm interested to see what he does with the Jacksonville Jaguars, assuming that he comes out and plays in the NFL and not go back to Clemson for his senior year. Yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say. He hasn't explicitly said it, but I would be very shocked if he returned to Clemson. I think he's going to be the Jaguars quarterback next year. I'm also pretty fired up to see that. I know Jets fans are going to be nervous and excited (laughs) to see what he does. Uh, If there's going to be any group of fans that are – happy if Trevor Lawrence kind of stumbles out of the gates I think we know where they're going to be located um my athlete of 2021 is going to be an athlete who is going to be looking at the end of 21 for his third straight Super Bowl and that's going to be Patrick Mahomes I think the Chiefs are far and away the favorites this year and I think it's all Patrick Mahomes and Andy Andy Reid and co yeah they have so many weapons but I think we're kind of beginning to get Patrick Mahomes fatigue and his career has just started I think he's going to be kind of Tom Brady probably should have won the MVP more than he did but it's kind of and LeBron James probably should have won the MVP more than he has in the NBA Uh, but those awards are kind of given to guys we get fatigued of the best player in the league so we give it to the second best player in the league sometimes and I think Patrick Mahomes uh, is in the next in 2021 going to establish himself as just far and away the best player in the NFL and he's going to truly take over the mantle from Brady uh, as the face of the league. And I, I think there's a very real chance in 2021, he starts the, what would it be, 2021-22 season looking for a three-peat at the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. I mean, you say fatigue. I don't know. For me personally, I, I never get fatigued of watching Patrick Mahomes play football in the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think – Watching their explosive offense is so exciting. You never know what Patrick Mahomes is going to do on any given play. We've seen him do the unthinkable. We've seen him roll out to the left and throw across his body to the complete other side of the field on a dime, you know, throwing virtually, it looks like 100 miles an hour, throwing an NFL football. Uh, He has the fastest receiver in the game in Tyreek Hill, where it feels like every play they could just, you know, Tyreek, all right, Tyreek, run a fly route and just lob it up down the field to Tyreek and he's going to win his matchup. Uh, he has the best tight end in football in Travis Kelsey. And he's, if he keeps this pace up, it will be one of the greatest tight ends that we've ever seen. Probably already is one of the greatest tight ends we've ever seen. He is on, also on pace to be the first tight end to ever lead the NFL in receiving yards this season. Wow. Didn't know that. Yes, he's on pace to be the first tight end to lead the, the league in receiving yards uh, as a tight end. So I – and they have Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. You know, I, I just think this offense, that was another – I was I was thinking of some scenarios last night where I could think, okay, you know, sports moment of 2020. I I was very happy to see Andy Reid get a Super Bowl. I, I've i always liked Andy Reid, even when he was in Philadelphia. I've always been a big Andy Reid fan. You know, my grandparents are huge diehard Eagle fans. So, growing up, 
watching the Eagles, I, I, I always liked Andy Reid, always a big Andy Reid fan. And to finally see him win a Super Bowl in Kansas City, I don't think there's anybody more deserving as a head coach in the NFL to win a Super Bowl than Andy Reid, and he finally got one. And as you said, I, I think they're going to get it again this year. Um, and, and Pat Mahomes is a very good choice, as always. I think, like as you mentioned, you could always pick him, you know, in the conversation for the MVP, uh, even if we get tired of him, or, you know, kind of like Tom Brady winning the MVP or LeBron winning the MVP. Um, he's the face of the league now. I mean, it's not – there's no doubt uh, – the Mahomes magic, he's the face of the league, and it'll be exciting to see what he and Trevor Lawrence uh, do next season. But uh, wrapping up the show here, uh, do you have any final thoughts or comments to add on anything that you're looking forward to, particularly here coming up before our next episode next week? I'm looking forward to seeing if Notre Dame can cover a 40-point spread. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how much uh, – Clemson and Alabama win their semifinals by. I don't know. This is a fun time of year to be a sports fan, especially we're now days away from hockey season. Usually hockey season would be going on, but it's finally starting to feel like sports is normal again. We're going to have all systems firing. Maybe we'll get some more Major League Baseball free agent signings. And 2021, I'm normalcy. That's all I want. Normalcy next year. Yeah, as you mentioned, those college football playoff semifinals uh, on New Year's Day. Notre Dame money line right now, plus 820 for any of you betting folks. Uh, want to throw away. any money? Stay away. Uh, any, uh, anybody want to throw money on that? Go ahead, plus 820. Um, go Irish. Beat Alabama. Finally, then I don't have to deal with that graphic of seeing, oh, over the last X amount of years, Notre Dame in big bowl games, and they get blown out in virtually every single one. I just want that one statement win. It felt good to beat Clemson in the regular season because they beat a number one team at home. But winning a playoff game is the statement that Notre Dame needs to get back up into the conversation of elite. And, uh, you know, we talked about the talent gap. And Alabama and Clemson are just way above and beyond everybody else. Uh, and it would be a nice it would be nice to see another team other than Alabama and Clemson in, in the in the national championship, if we're being honest. But I'll I know I'll be what I thought you would. You seem like you genuinely think Notre Dame can win, and that's very surprising. Oh no, I've 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 already talked to you, you know, prior. I I again, betting man, Alabama wins by a lot. But I have a little, you know, you got to have a little bit of hope, Mitch. You got to have a little bit of the hope. The luck of the Irish, you know, I, I they didn't do well in this building in the semifinals two years ago against Clemson. Same building, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Jerry's World. Uh, but plus 820 for any of you betting folks that want to take it. Go Irish. Beat Alabama. He's Mitch Bannon from Toronto, Ontario. I'm Joe Trellin from Harrisburg, PA. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of The Sin Bin. We will see you next week. Everybody have a safe and happy new year heading into 2020.